It's July in Mexico City. It's the first night of a long weekend visit, and my wife and I are most excited to check out some of the world's top 50 bars, beginning with a pre-dinner stop at the renowned speakeasy Hanky Panky. It's a short Uber ride from our hotel near the city center. We get out in the middle of a quiet neighborhood block, orient, and head in what I think is the right direction. We're looking for an even number to dress, marking off the numbers we're able to spot in the nondescript facades of the buildings. 20, 26, 44, now 60. We're at the end of the block, and we've missed it. I look around the sleepy intersection. Across the street is a taqueria, a cashier is idling at the counter, and a man in the small open kitchen is tending to something simmering over a flame. There are few people around, and fewer cars. It doesn't look like one of the world's top 50 bars is just steps away from us. We double back, and the building where the address ought to be seems empty and under construction. Is that part of the game? Do I need to move a piece of plywood aside or something? Soon we're back where we got out of the car. We scour the block once again, and then we're back at the intersection. Doubt is starting to creep in. Am I sure I have the right address? Did I put the wrong drop-off in the Uber? I cross-check a few sources to be sure, but I don't think I've made a mistake. We should be in the right place. My wife has begun to wander back down the block, and now I'm searching Yelp, hoping there's a street view or a photo of the door. It's the same address, there are pictures of beautiful cocktails, immaculately dressed bartenders, a well-stocked fridge of Mexican beer, but no clues about the entrance. I have the brilliant idea to check the comments about the business, and of course the first one I read is, finding the place is half the fun, lol. We've been walking up and down this block for 15 minutes. Now our dinner reservation in South Mexico City is coming into question. My wife says, I think we might just need to bail. Despairing, I take a last look around, and suddenly the taqueria across the street seems to signal to me, and there's a flash of realization in my head. The glass front refrigerator idling in the small dining area, neatly stocked with beer. I've seen it before, recently, in some of that panicked searching on my phone. I lead my wife across the street, approach the cashier manning a tablet at the counter, and testing the limits of my Spanish, I ask, Donde esta hinky pinky? Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern bar cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 245 of the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me for another interview episode where we track down the best and brightest minds in the spirits and cocktail world so that we can share their secrets with you. This time around, I have the pleasure of interviewing Walter Mayenberg. He's a drinks entrepreneur who has his hands in a number of impressive projects in Mexico's capital, but for the purposes of our conversation today, he's the founder of Hanky Panky, an award-winning speakeasy-style cocktail bar in La Juarez neighborhood of Mexico City. This is also a special episode because we're joined 
as featured in the prelude by world traveler, past guest, and friend of the podcast, Adam Bauer. He was one of the first people to bring Hanky Panky to my attention, and it was his experience with this venue that led me to reach out to Walter. But before we enter into a world of hidden doors, award-winning hospitality, and suspiciously comfortable bar stools, let's take a quick pause so that you can make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is the White Lady. To make it, you'll need one and a half ounces of dry gin, three quarters of an ounce of triple sec, like Cointreau, three quarters of an ounce of fresh lemon juice, and one egg white, or its plant-based equivalent in aquafaba. Combine these ingredients in a cocktail shaker and shake vigorously, but carefully without ice. This is called the dry shake, and it's meant to help create a richer, creamier head on an egg white drink. Then once you feel the texture change in the shaker, you're gonna add your ice, shake again until the drink is chilled, strain into a stemmed cocktail glass, and enjoy. I thought the White Lady was a perfect cocktail to feature for this episode because it's emblematic of Hanky Panky's truly international approach to their cocktail program. This drink, which is essentially a gin sidecar with egg white, was conceived in London by Harry McAlone in 1919 and originally featured creme de menthe in place of gin. So it was a mint liqueur, an orange liqueur, and lemon juice. And if you think it's only crazy people on TikTok and Instagram who are capable of inventing vile concoctions, well, let it be known that the inventor of the French 75, the Boulevardier, and other immortal cocktails was also prone to a faulty speck now and again. But the difference between great bartenders and the rest of us is that they won't stop tinkering with their cocktails until they're right. Ten years later, in 1929, after moving from Ciro's Bar in London to found his legendary establishment, Harry's New York Bar in Paris, he ditched the green minty stuff, swapped in the gin, and created today's favored white lady formulation. If you visit the Hanky Panky website, you'll see their version of the white lady cocktail from a recent menu, still sporting its signature pale hue and head of rich foam, but served instead in a low scalloped cruet that evokes perfumery or scented oils or potpourri. This is an example of taking a classic drink, honoring its origins somewhere else, and then elevating it and delighting in its presentation. All of this seems central to the beverage program at Hanky Panky. So now that you've got another classic cocktail in your arsenal, let's turn our attention back to the interview. In this eye-opening conversation with Walter Mayenberg, founder of Hanky Panky, some of the topics we discuss include why this bar, which is so famous for being a modern speakeasy, wasn't originally planned that way, and how they evolved from not even charging for drinks to winning international awards for hospitality. What it's like to locate enter, and drink at Hanky Panky, according to our mixological travel correspondent, Adam Bauer. How Walter thinks about developing individual members of his bar team and building a community of international friends of Hanky Panky, and why this people-first mentality allowed the program to thrive even during a pandemic. 
We also explore some of Walter's other projects, like his bar Casa de las Brujas, which places an all-female bar team in the spotlight, and Liquid Show, an educational initiative launched in partnership with other leading bar figures in Mexico City. Along the way, we cover the books that inspired Walter's approach to hospitality, the design aesthetic behind throne-like bar stools and mirrored tables, foundational memories of being fed and pampered by his Lebanese mother, and much, much more. Although we experienced some technical difficulties that cut off our conversation during the lightning round, I hope that the dual perspectives in this interview paint a compelling picture of a bar that's really shaking things up right now on the world stage. Thanks to Adam for taking the time to narrate his experience as a guest at Hanky Panky. And with that, please enjoy this fascinating conversation with bar owner and entrepreneur, Walter Mayenberg. Walter, welcome to the podcast. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. So I, I'm super excited to speak with you. But before we dive into all things hanky panky, speakeasy style bars, Mexico City, world's 50 best, uh, I'm hoping you can just introduce yourself to our listeners. Just give us a sense of who you are and what you do. Okay, so my name is Walter Meyenberg. I'm from Mexico City, and I'm the founder of Hanky Panky. I've been in hospitality for the past 17 years now. Used to be a musician, got tired of eating tuna and crackets, so I turned to the hospitality. <laughs> Was one of the first ones to open a mezcal, mezcal bar in Mexico City long time ago when nobody knew about mezcal. And that's where it all started. From that, like building and creating like concepts and restaurants and interior design for a lot of stuff. And then until now, Hanky Panky and Brujas, Waikiki, and some good restaurants, who said Pigeon, and some more good stuff coming. Amazing. Amazing. I, I want to say that the nucleus, the core of our conversation today is going to be centered around Hanky Panky, uh, which is a speakeasy style bar that has recently gotten a lot of great attention. And I wonder if you might introduce us to this bar by describing in as much detail as you would care to without I, without, I suppose, breaking the spell of what it's like to to locate and to enter Hanky Panky. Okay, so I think we should start from the beginning. Okay. Hanky never was intended to be a speakeasy bar. So the first idea of Hanky Panky was only to be a bar with my friends. It was like a members only bar. And we got this crazy idea because we've been like traveling around the world. We had, we had a like with a good friend of mine, I had a mezcal brand called Fortuna a long time ago. And we were traveling all around the US and Canada, some, some parts of Europe, like trying to sell our brand. And we we're amazed with a cocktail scene around the world. And because in Mexico, cocktail scene is like very, very young. We decided to create this like members only for friends, like only like it was like a, you know, like a pressure, like, like a Toby's Toby's place, you know, like it's like only friends hanging around, playing domino, talking about cocktails, sharing the bottles they bought all around the world, but obviously got hyped and the friends of friends wanted to get into this like friends place and it all started like that, but it was never intended to do like that. But with that said, 
I was never like concerned about how to create like a cocktail bar or whatever. I found this place that was like a Cuban restaurant that was abandoned and burned 30 years. I opened the curtain and I saw like this like smoky wood place with like old school fridges and like a very like super heavy wood all around. I said like, wow, this is beautiful. And next, the next shop, it used to be a tire shop that was like also abandoned. So in my way of thinking, why don't do like this member thing? I created on the tire shop, a fonda, like a Mexican fonda that we sell tacos and all, and it works perfectly all day. And I was like very crazy with these ideas of like the old school mafia speakeasies, like bars that I saw in the movies. And I saw like, why don't we do it like as like the Italian mafia? You go through the kitchen, then to the bathroom, and there should be a secret door. And I created on the bathroom, you open the closet of the bathroom, and there's like a steel door from like the banks. And you put your fingerprint, and the door opens. But that said, it was this crazy idea of like members and it was very fun. Like for me, it was super fun because I wasn't in the scene. I wasn't thinking about the concept of speakeasies or all that stuff. So I started like developing the concept and then I came up to Ada Coleman. That was fascinating for me. Like the story behind of the first woman with pants behind the bar, serving cocktails to militars and all, all that stuff. So it was my inspiration to design the space. With that said, like the space had its own magic because it was burnt out because it had like a lot of history behind that. So I, you use like all the materials and I just put like some fancy stuff around like like mirrors, white marble, and I used the, the red color of the hanky panky, the color of like the cocktail of, of Ada Coleman to do this like beautiful stools. And I designed the stools by myself because I wanted to feel like hogged, you know, like some bars you, you sit at the stools and you feel you start feeling uncomfy and you want to move and my idea because it is very small hanky panky only can fit 40 people my idea is like the center of hanky panky should be the bar and i want to feel hugged in the bar so i designed these big stools that are like super heavy to move but it's beautiful to be seated there and it's mainly that it is just a big bar marble mirrors the smoked wood, dim lights, very amber ambient, very, very light ambient. And then it has like a like a big table, like we call it the Pablo Escobar table because it's, it's a mirror table. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a VIP. It's like a kind of like a VIP, you know, like you just like go down two, two stairs and you have like this big table with a booth and a big frame of Ada Coleman, like an homage to her. And that's it. That's, that's Hanky Panky. But the fun fact is when you talk about speakeasies and how it's like the trend of speakeasies and all that stuff, I had no idea about that. It started becoming like everyone wanted to get in because a, a friend wanted to come with a girlfriend or with another friend. And it started. And then I said, like, you know, guys, we can't afford to, 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 do, to do this because we're not even selling. It's like everything is for free. Like it's now costing me. <laughs> and it's crazy. So I started selling memberships to get to this club. And then in a matter of like one year, we, we sold 3,000 memberships. So that was crazy now. <laughs> yeah, 3,000 divided by 40 seats. Uh, I mean, suddenly uh, members aren't going to be able to go to the bar as often as they probably want to, right? 
and obviously that happened and everyone was frustrated and what was the shit and it was like bro it was never intended to be a bar so then i decided okay i have to do a bar but at that point it was like like a proper like a proper speakeasy without pretending to be it and that's that's the way it started like we we started opening only by reservations or like or like messages until now it is the same secret door it is the same secret place it is everything is the same you come out like the fonda has like a beer fridge that is a way out from hunky punky and it's very funny to see it until now because there's like normal people having lunch at the fonda and then the fridge opens and it's like beautiful girl coming out the fridge and they freak out (laughs) it's it's very funny like the ambience developed around around the bar but it was never intended to be a speakeasy that's the reality. Now everyone talks about Hanky as a speakeasy. And it's very funny for me because I know the true story and I have like a lot of fun on that. And it was never intended to be like that. But I think the magic of the place is is just like that. It was never intended to be, and I never created a bar just to make like, I'm gonna be the first speakeasy of Mexico. No, it just happened to be naturally. And it's a natural speakeasy now. And it's just like that. It's like funny for me now that like we have the awards and we're on the scene and we're on the list and all that like beautiful stuff happening. But it's funny how like some crazy idea can come up and develop so, so big. It's it's a very social funny thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad that you backed us up and told the entire story of how Hanky Panky was created because... I think we're living in a time when the notion of a speakeasy is a slightly controversial notion in the international bar scene. Um, uh, There are certain social media accounts that uh, mercilessly make fun of speakeasies and speakeasy bartenders who dress up in uh, these sort of old timey um, ways of dressing and uh, there's this notion that a speakeasy style bar is a little bit pretentious or um, sort of uh, a little bit too serious. Um, And I actually did a poll. So I I knew that our conversation was coming up. And so I asked people on Instagram what they think about speakeasy bars. And I had um, over 70 respondents and 47% said that they, they love speakeasies, just absolutely love them. 38% of people said that they have to be in the right mood, but if they are in the right mood, that they enjoy them. And only 15% of people thought that they were actually kind of pretentious and a little bit, you know, kind of played out. So I wonder what your thoughts are on on those percentages being that you spent more time in the space than I have. I think the ones that hate them are the ones that can get in <laughs> or they're difficult to get in so they can't leave the experience i don't i i can feel you because i've been to speakeasies that i think is disneyland and it's like kind of like oh my god this is not what i'm it's not a, like a bar is made to have fun no complexity don't make you feel like traveling time or crazy stuff because at the end you go to a bar to have a good time to have a drink to enjoy with your friends and you don't need to to think too much you know mm. that's what we intend second because we never intend to be and now we are because it, it maintain like secret 
And I think it's part of the beautiful concept of this bar because this bar was intended to be a friend's bar. Now it's a sec- like a secret bar, a secret bar because everyone knows it. But the entrance, you can see it. There's no windows. It's more like a private. It's like a private bar. I, don't, I won't say like it's a speakeasy. It's a private bar with a funny secret entrance and a more funny way out. <laughs> I think, I think it was like, you know, like. 1930s and 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 way back and then prohibition and then on the 50s again it was like a super trend because it was like a mafia stuff mm. and that was that is very cool yeah and then in prohibition but you needed to have like secret secret places to send alcohol and to to drink which is part of our story and it's like very very cool to 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 look at it now I think if you have like some glimpse of that and you make a cool concept with that, I think it's like, it's perfect. It's, it's a way as if people do like Tiki bars or people do like inspired in the James Bond and they do only Martini bars or Art Deco or whatever. I think if, if it's well-developed and it's easy and it's not complex for you and you have a great time, I think it's super good. And it's super cool because it makes you feel in a different mood. Hanky is it has to be like that first because it's super small and it only can sit 40 people so with that said you can be like an open bar to everyone because everyone will be always complaining as now they can't get in so now it's like oh they're so pretentious because they don't let me it's like bro it's not that we don't let, let you in you, you can't fit <laughs> inside it's too small sure and that's sure. why we do we we try to do schedules to, to, to try to, to put everyone in, you know, because if, if not, it's like, it's almost impossible. And I don't want to, to make like a hunky uploaded version, like bigger and like more, because I think it will lose the, the story behind that and the magic that it has. So I think if, if it's made to be natural and you never pretend or intended to be like that way, I think it's super valid and it's super cool. If you now create a place to get into the list, to be super pretentious, to be super Disneyland. Uh, I don't know. I, will, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> now that you've heard Walter's description of how Hanky Panky was conceived and how it evolved over time, I thought this would be the perfect place for Adam to share his experience from a guest's point of view. Here's what it was like for him. He gives a small smile and in English replies, this is Hanky Panky. We're led through the kitchen, past the cook with his bubbling pot, and through a narrow hallway, and suddenly we're moving through a darkened doorway. We step forward, our eyes adjust, and we've arrived at Hanky Panky. A long bar runs the length of the narrow space, with a handful of small tables and banquettes in the dark corners. Everything is glass, velvet, shadows, and pink neon. We're seated at the bar in plush, high-backed stools that feel more like small thrones perched on wooden legs. The menus we're presented with are more like storybooks of cocktails, inspired by cities around the world with art, comments on their origins, and lists of exotic ingredients accompanying each. It's such a cocoon that all sense of Mexico City is temporarily lost. In this windowless den of international experience, you could be at a high-end bar anywhere in the world, but for the signature neon sign glowing at the end of the bar, reminding you, this is Hanky Panky. 
My wife takes my hand under the counter, and finally, we're able to laugh. We drink with purpose and passion, determined to sample as much as we can before it's time to leave for dinner. There is a mezcal cocktail with whipped chocolate and mole, a tall vodka concoction accompanied by an oyster shell full of caviar, a tomato martini with vibrant green and red drops of something oily balanced on the surface, and more. Each drink more beautiful and delicious than the last, we lose ourselves in the wonderful cycle of browsing the menu, watching the bartenders prepare the drinks with expert precision and long pours from the top of their reach, and enjoying the pleasing and totally unique results on our palates. And before we know it, it's time to go. We pay the check and follow the exit sign through a black curtain and down a very short tunnel. The door at the end seems a little odd on its hinges as I push it open and sunlight streams in, and immediately I understand why. We're exiting through the beer fridge in the taqueria. The faux front swings out to usher guests back into the real world, and I have to laugh that the thing that drew me in is now the thing that sends me on my way. It's sad to leave. We're still basking in the experience, and I sincerely wonder for a moment if they will actually sell me a taco. But that will have to wait for another trip. We have a reservation to get to, and much more of this wonderful city to explore. This episode is brought to you by Near Country Provisions. Yep, you've heard me singing their praises for the past year now, and to answer a question I'm frequently asked, yes, I still do a little happy dance when my monthly subscription shows up at my door, on dry ice, and in an insulated bag. I want to highlight a couple aspects of Near Country that normally take the backseat to their meat quality and their impeccable local sourcing, those being affordability and customization. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the price of groceries lately, but the cost of meat, even the factory farm stuff, has been skyrocketing. But because Near Country keeps things local to the Mid-Atlantic, your meat doesn't have to travel far, and it doesn't change hands half a dozen times before it hits shelves, meaning you don't have to pay for all those markups from middlemen. Every time I do a price comparison between Near Country and the grocery store, I'm blown away by the quality that I'm getting relative to the cost. And when it comes to flexibility, I've never worked with a subscription service where I have so much control. Let's say, for example, that you've got something against pork chops. Every month, Adam and his team send around a survey that allows you to say, hey, I don't want pork chops this month. Or, I don't want pork chops ever again. Or, a more reasonable request, I'd love it if you could include pork chops in my delivery every month. Preferences change, diets change, and special requests and cuts are always on your mind at certain times of the year, and Near Country gets that. They bend over backwards to help meet your changing needs. Head over to nearcountry.com and enter the code BARCART, all one word, that's B-A-R-C-A-R-T, when you sign up for your subscription to receive two free pounds of bacon or ground beef in your first delivery. And believe me, you'll be glad that you did. Now back to the show. Yeah, I think you make a couple of interesting points. One, the desire to not make a bigger, sort of watered down, more generic version of Hanky seems to be 
an important one in that what you're doing is, you, you know, you, you have this bar that over time has naturally developed into this place that people really want to come to. And what you've managed to do is retain that sort of easy, not complicated essence that you started out with. And I think it's really important that you don't want to blow it up because if you do that, you're necessarily going to lose some of that magic. And I think this is a really good opportunity for us to kind of look away from the concept, right? From the building and the, the, the private nature of it and look a little bit more closely at the drinks program. Because as you mentioned, when you were first starting out, you weren't even charging for drinks. And now no. you're winning awards for hospitality. You won the Michter's Art of Hospitality Award, which means to me, never having been to your bar, you must be putting out some pretty excellent cocktails and the brand of hospitality that your team is giving to guests must be pretty excellent. So can you talk about the drinks and the hospitality that has evolved over time at your bar? Sure. First of all, imagine this, like Hanky is turning nine years this year. So it's been like a long time. So it's not like a new thing coming. And obviously in nine years, it's almost like a decade of development and like being creative and being like, like looking around and doing research. First, like I, I remember the first time, the first menus of Hanky when we just like opened like for real, it was like just asking our friends around the world, the ones, the bartenders that we met to send us a cocktail because we were <laughs> ready to, to develop cocktails like properly. And then we had like a roster of like Mexican bartenders or bartenders that were working in Mexico that were doing shifts at the bar like all the way until we built like a solid team and we started developing our our own cocktail list. But in the first years, it was more about friends around the world. And it was like a very, very fun concept that till now is, is on our menu because it was like, I, I always felt like a homage to, 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 to bartenders around the world, you know, like PDT when it was like a magical or employees only or bars in Europe. I was just, I used to call them my bro. I admire so much your work. It'll be an honor to have a cocktail of you on our menu. And like, I'm willing to pay. And you know, everyone was like, wow, what, what an honor that a bar in Mexico is asking. And it started making like this family relationship that now we have all around the world. And it was beautiful, man. Like it was very criticized also at the moment because they were saying like, oh, you know, Hanky only has like international cocktails and they don't develop their own menu. But they didn't knew that it was like, it was coming. It was like a thing that was like, because Mexico is very new on this scene. Now it's on on the spotlight because there's like a lot of like Mexican bars on the, on the, on the scene. But if you see like Limantur was the first bar that started the scene in Mexico and it wasn't too long. It was 12 years ago, 11 years ago. Mm. Next bar was Hanky Panky. But if you see that like people in Mexico used to drink margaritas and daiquiris because like, that's what they see. And obviously we love tequila and micheladas and that's what we drink. <laughs> So trying to, to show the people bitters and amaros and vermouths and this kind of flavors and more European style, it took a long. And 
obviously as the more like you realize and we build like solid team like now like the team that we have now like Ismael, Pollo and Gina and Brian and the ones that are on the team right now they've been together with us like Ismael is, is going to be his sixth year at Hanky Panky as the same as Gina and now they're their partners at, at Hanky Panky because they earn it because they make it happen and the cool thing about that is like we we developed like our cocktail menu and our concept together we grew we grew together on this crazy idea of making the bar and now i can say you like first of all we we did it every seasonal cocktail you know because in mexico we have like very marked seasons and crazy flavors and crazy fruits and all that stuff so at the beginning we were saying like okay let's do seasonal menus like every three months we change the menu Obviously, it was a crazy idea of producing a lot of stuff. And, and you, you, you start maturing things and you like start matching things until I think our new menu, which is, I think, the one that I most like, that is called Passport. And it's inspired on all the trips that we've been doing in the past two years. And it's the homage to all the places, the food and the people and the family we built around our tours and we received in Mexico during pandemic. And it's more like a solid concept that has like ingredients inspired in, in, in places, in people. But at the end, it also has an, a, a, a part of the menu that is friends around the world sending us cocktails that we need, even don't ask. It's just like a, now it's like part of Hanky. You know, Ivo sent me like, I want to send you this Negroni as a gift for you. Benji Cavagna, the same. Nikos Vakul is the same. And it's now it's beautiful because you have the tops in the world. But as a friendship, it's not, you know, it's not pretending or intending because it was like a gift. As the same as we send them gifts like cocktails or things inspired. Because if you see the menu, and I'll try to send you a menu so you can you can have it. It's all all family inspiration, is what mm. we do. And I think part of of the hospitality and the award is the way we treat people as humans because we honor them we love them we treat them i always say like this this memory that i have i came from a lebanese family and you know lebanese from hospitality is crazy the way they treat you the way they set up the table the way they hug you they kiss you they feed you <laughs> And like my first hospitality memory is when my mother sat me on the on the baby chair prepare my meal, kiss my forehead and give it to me. That memory was like, oh fuck, this is this is this is crazy. And then when I realized hospitality, I came back to that memory and I said like this is it. Mm. This is it was like the most caring moment. You know, like you're seeing someone preparing your food, giving it to you, kissing you your forehead, giving you a hug, giving you like enjoy it. If you traduce that to the bodies, Kind of the same. You're you're seeing someone making a cocktail for you, inspired for you, treating you perfectly, looking at your eyes, giving you the time to hear what you want, what you listen, what you need, giving it to you and saying like, bro, enjoy it. Just like a hug, you know, and in a cool environment. And because we're a small bar, we can do that because we have the time to attend everyone like that. So I think it's like, it's a natural consequence. And with our guests that we they come around the world, 
We try them to feel like love, to showcase our city. We're very proud of our roots, of our flavors. We show them around because we're, it's a natural thing. We're excited to show them around. And it's an honor for us to have like people like them coming. But it's natural. Again, we never intended to, okay, let's super upgrade our hospitality to, to win like an award. No, it was like a thing of working. Obviously, I have to say pandemic helped us a lot because we were not in a heavy lockdown in Mexico City. And because we have developed this friendship and family all around the world, I had this crazy idea to tell everyone that I know from bars around the world, like, bro, you're in lockdown. You can't open your place. You want to come to Mexico and do like pop-ups in here? And everyone's answer was like, fuck yeah, I want to escape. So it was very, very, very lovely how to, to start helping friends around the world, coming to Mexico, crazy trips, you know, like I remember the first one that Nikos, Nikos told me like, okay, if you manage to get me to Mexico, I will definitely go. And it was like crazy trip, three planes moving around, but it came and it was magical. And at the same time, Tato was escaping from Argentina and he came here, Jan was in Mexico from Alquimico. So it all started like, and, and I, at that moment I said like, bro, this is it. This is the way to, to change the, the way of thinking of pandemic, not to be depressed, to help brothers around the world. And I remember I would like send a message to to Mark and Roger from 50 Best and I would like pull out, I pull out this crazy idea and they told me like, bro, you're, you're fucking nuts. You're not gonna <laughs> pull that out. I was like, okay, just be ready because I will start sending you material crazy. And we pulled it out. We found a brand that believed in us, bought the, the idea, and we started bringing Man, it was crazy. All bars, even, the, even Copitas from Russia, Himcock, all around the world. And they were like amazed with our culture, with Mexico, with our. And obviously, that put us on the spotlight and was like number 12 last year because it was like middle of pandemic, we were traveling all around the world. We were breaking bars all around the world and we were like the crazy Mexicans that don't stop. <laughs> uh, wow. And, uh, wow. That's, that's a, that's a really interesting story. I, I want to follow up on a couple of things that you said there. Um, one is sort of like this really creative notion of like using the pandemic almost as a catalyst for growth. And I think, you know, it, it, when you, when you said the pandemic was good for you, I was like, ah, all right, where's, where's this going? But it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you, you took a, a point of flexibility that you had with Mexico and Mexico city, not being as locked down as other parts of the world. And you used that as a way to convey hospitality, not necessarily on, on your guests, even though, of course, you were doing that, but on the other members of the community. And I think there's a couple of really standout organizations that do that. World's 50 Best actually has their own, had their own philanthropic initiatives that gave back to the bar community. Jose Andres with his World Central Kitchen continues to do that kind of work where he goes and helps other people in the, in the community. And so I think it's really interesting to think about hospitality in a really tough time to 
be in the hospitality industry, not necessarily as something that just needs to be conveyed onto guests, but also to the other people that are working in the industry. What are your What are your thoughts on that? I mean, like, can you can you speak a little bit more about that? Definitely. Imagine this. It was like a beautiful opportunity, and still now to showcase and to see bars around the world, see their culture, their knowledge. We do obviously master classes. We do seminars. We do the guest shift, and for the industry, it's for free. Everything: the cocktails, the food, the seminars, and everything. So, in the middle of pandemic, happening this, having for free this knowledge, and like, you know, like trying to breathe around. And for me, it's very important that my community starts getting more professional and learn more and get like more developed because. You see what is happening in Mexico. Now Mexico is the scene. Before before that, we weren't the scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. We were like, there are like few bars going around. Now we're like, and I think it's part of what Limantur has done, we've been doing, and it's just supporting and helping the community. Like even I, I'm partnered with, with, the, with one of the owners of Limantur, Alberto, and we developed a thing called Liquid Show. And it's like a... It's, it's a, like a bar community show that it's like shares knowledge for free to the to the community, and it's just like that. It's made to 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 be, and in pandemic we did like you know like like physical therapy, emotional therapy, and we were like doing a lot of like seminars and helping people from the industry. We we even come out with and partner with Campari and some other brands to to pull out like money and to help the the ones that were not working. It's been, it's very fun to, to, because hospitality is a word that englobes so many things. Because it's not how, it's not how you treat only the people at the bar. It's how you treat the people on your bar, your team. It's how you treat people in the community. And obviously it's how you treat your guests. But also is how well you serve the drinks. How is the music? How is the light? How clean are your bathrooms? It's, it's everything mm-hmm. because I want to make you feel special and to make you feel special has to be since you enter my place, since you see me, since I'm smiling to you, since the light is not hurting you, the eyes or making you feel like uncomfortable or the music is beautiful, but you can talk. You know what I'm saying? It's like crazy. Or you sit on the stool and it's, it hugs you and you say like, fuck yeah, I want to stay here. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit more about that, but you know, there's been a couple of moments in this conversation where you remind me of Souther Teague from Memoria Margo. Do you know Souther? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned eye contact before being important. And, uh, the, just the way that you describe, you know, you, he has a small bar, you have a small bar. Uh, some of the ways that I've heard him talk about the hospitality experience at Amoria Margo, even though it's a very different bar than hanky panky, I see a lot of striking similarities between your approach and his approach. So I just wanted to call that out. Um, I'll link in our show notes page to um, the interview that we did with Souther about a year ago. But I want to come back to your team because as I was doing research for this conversation, I came up upon an article about your uh, employee, Gina, and she talks about 
Um, she says, this is her quote here. She said, I was super nervous about getting a job there. So I was studying every day. I started as a regular bartender and all I wanted to do was learn and be a part of it. And then she goes on to say that um, Walter has always put a good amount of pressure on me, enough to help me grow without it being too much. He wants me to develop and get the best out of me. It's more like he's working beside me than above me. And so I thought I thought that was really interesting. And I wanted to give you a chance to maybe speak about your approach to managing a bar team. Um, since that was uh, clearly, it seems kind of unique to you. So, like, I came from like this kind of crazy mix between Lebanese and German families, and then my growth was always like perfection, and you know, like be the best that you can. We like, you know, like we had to work very hard as a family to 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 come up out like money was not like a like a big thing and you know like scholarship we learn we learn english at school but you you know if you don't got like the right opportunities and it's very difficult to come out so when i started working with teams i started like thinking about okay i don't want to make like a business that is like just like a lineal growth and that's it and no one can see to the top because it's gonna end sometime, and I, I don't want to feel like I'm on top of everything, like a god, and just like pulling out from the people. So I started thinking, why don't we start developing like like a program where the people can grow and start learning more and start developing more until the point we have like business partners or managers, or because I mean, like always, like keen of like growth i've been like reading like managing books i've read like a lot of stuff around and i remember when i read setting the table of danny meyer i was like wow what the fuck no that like this kind of like managing skills from a guy that didn't knew how to manage until he has like one of the biggest companies in, in new york and the skills and the way they manage so with that reading Anthony Bourdain, reading a lot of stuff, I started creating like, we need to make like a solid, solid like thing. And because in Mexico, we're like on a country that machism and like, like women are very like, you know, like social discriminated and it's like very, very strong. I always was keen with helping people like Gina, not to be just like a bartender. So I always push her like, what do you want to do? Like this year, you're going to be learning next year. You're going to be a bartender next year. What, what's next? Mm. And she was very nervous. Like, no, but, but I don't know. I was like, no, you need to, know. you need to know how to get better, how to get better techniques or how to get close to the bartenders that we're bringing and ask them for things or techniques or, you know, because we do the seminars, but there's always like, I have this always that feeling like people, when they know open their mind, they're like, like a mediocre, like way of thinking like, okay, I'm in a seminar and like, I'm sleeping as no bro. No, you're with top in the world. You can like squeeze all the knowledge from them. You can speak to them. You can get close to them. You can learn English so you can communicate to them. And so I was like, always that I like told Pojo and Gina, okay, let's, pay like English classes. Let's develop with that. Let's start learning with that and start pushing Gina to the point. I said, like, Gina, I think you're ready to manage the place. And she was like falling from the chair, you know, it was like, and obviously it was a lot of pressure, 
But I got this feeling if I don't push her to that to that way, she will be still like a bartender, not the star that she is now. Mm. And obviously managing, she committed all the mistakes that you can imagine until now. And I was always putting pressure with her, but like showing her like, you can do this. You need, I think you should do this. You're doing very well this, but I think you should take care of this and this. Mm. And now with the awards, because you know, you know, ego is, is very dangerous for everyone. And it's a very crazy word that we, we all have in this fucking brain going around. And with the awards, the first thing when, when we won the award, I was like, Gina, okay, fuck the number, fuck the award. Now what are you going to do? Mm. We won hospitality. How are you going to change the hospitality? Because now we are on the spotlight that we are the best in, in the world in hospitality. Okay. Let's make it happen. Let's let's make like let's feel more human. Let's feel more connected. Let's make more things. The same to Pollo. I remember like I, I want to tell you this story. Like Pollo was like was doing like this thing with a very old siphon and it exploded and he blew his hand to the moment that he couldn't like barely move his hand. And I remember he was he was talking to me like, okay, my career is over. I'm fucked. And I was like, no way. So we paid like a super good surgeon and we put it to contest on work class with a hand like that, with a mechanic hand, and he won. I was like, Pojo, this is the way of thinking, bro. Like thinking against odd, against the, and I remember when, when they announced pandemic, I I rejoined like the team and I tell them, okay guys, this is gonna be very fucked off. Let's do cocktails. Let's do cocktails to go. Let's do vacuum seal cocktails. And I remember that day, everyone was looking at me. I was like, are you fucking nuts or what? Like, we're just going to be closed a week or whatever. I was like, bro, I'm, I'm reading the news and this shit is going to explode. So I remember it was two nights nonstop producing cocktails, vacuum seal cocktails with the garnish, with a letter, with everything. And the day they do the lockdown, we launched the campaign and it was a massive thing because everyone was crazy in the lockdown and we were all already delivering in our bikes the thing. And it was a very crazy and beautiful thing because we we're all together bike riding the city. That city was in lockdown, knocking the door of our clients, giving a little bit of love. And like, you know, all the tips and all, all the money was like to the team so they can live with that. And it was like, these crazy things that comes out is like what builds like this solid team and family. And I think the feeling of Gina, the feeling of Pojo, the feeling like Brian is a new guy that was never on a plane. And he went to Le Syndicate to Paris with Gina. And he was like, whoa, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and obviously he, obviously he came back and he's like, he's changed. He wants to be more professional. He wants to learn English. He comes from a very like poor town and like very dangerous. And he has pulled his way. And now he's like, you know, he's behind the bar. He traveled to Paris. And for me, it's not the award. It's not, it's not the number. It is, it's like the scene. It's how you can transform people for a life around what you do. Like I feel blessed and I feel honored that I can do this for living, of course, and it's my lifestyle and I love it, but I feel more blessed that I can touch people and change people. Mm. I think 
if there's a few things that I'm taking away from these stories that you're telling by way of illustration of how you're building this team and uh, I, I suppose how you are achieving the hospitality that is generating these awards, it's that you're doing things that don't need to scale, right? Like you, like you were saying about linear, like you, you don't, you're, you're not trying to build this to a size where it is just massive. You're keeping things small. You're keeping it 40 seats. You're keeping it so that you have the ability to convey this excellent hospitality. So you're keeping it small. You're doing things that would be ridiculous to try and do at scale. And you're instead of like, it's, it's almost ironic, right? Like you're getting awards for hospitality and you're being ranked on this very, you're being ranked very high on this prestigious list. And yet you're very intentionally saying like, no, like fuck the number, fuck the award. Like let's let, how, how can we, how can we now focus even more on this little space and this, this thing that we do super well how can we continue to do it even better? How can we be more human? Um, so I'm really glad that you had the chance to to tell all those stories because that that does seem really unique. And and um, I don't know, like does does that resonate with you? Yeah, I like. I think it's because it's natural. Like first times we were on the list. Like I remember it was a long time ago because we've been in the in the list. I think six years now. And the first three years, I didn't know what was the list. <laughs> like everyone came to me like, "Bro, you're on the list." I was like, "What list? What is this?" <laughs> like, I was like, "We, you're 75 in the world." I was like, "What world? Like, wh what are you talking? The world is so so fucking big. I'm 75 in what? Until they show me like there was like a list, you know? I I'm always like, I think the thing is like we're always busy doing our stuff." that we're not like looking around what was doing the other and what like is like what is the award coming or like we do our thing obviously now that we're like number 12 and today we're 13 and we have this this award obviously you're like more focused that you're like a spotlight and there's more responsibility and there's like more people around the world traveling to to our bar so it makes me feel like more responsible and makes me like nervous because from a thing that was very personal, now it's like a massive thing. But I think the goal is to stay the same. The goal is to stay the same human being, developing a crazy idea to 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 pamper their friends and still with this global trend, try to pamper all the people that come to the bar as I was pampering my friends and playing domino with them at the bar and like listening to funk and jazz and it's still the same. Like you come to to Hanky and you will listen funk and jazz because and hip hop because I don't give a fuck. It's my bar. That's the music I like, and that's a place I want to be forever. It's not that you came and now it's mainstream and it's super big and it's high volume because we're the thirteen in the world. <laughs> right. It is. I think. I think is. I always. I always say this every time I go to a seminar. The way I close is like stay humble, stay real. This is the thing. I'm. I feel super grateful with the list because they gave me this opportunity to show Mexico. First, I think is the most important. 
they gave us the opportunity to show the team and the people that is hard working every time until late night and is the perfect tourist guide in the world because all tourists come to the to the bars on the list or to the restaurants in the list i can't complain it's great for business but at the end it's a small bar 40 people seated it has been always packed because it's small <laughs> you know yeah it's I, it's a it's a magical and be beautiful consequence what is happening and i'm very grateful don't misunderstand me like i'm very grateful for that but it's not my mindset it's not my mindset at least or a number or an award my mindset is to to stay the same and to be better every day and that's what i'm trying and it's difficult because you know like bar teams they come and go like like it's only gina pollo brian that has been like a long time coming but some of them come they be in the showcase a spotlight but then they go or they learn a lot and they move they don't like build a career and i think around the world like finding solid teams has been uh, like very difficult even now like i've been talking london is suffering a lot italy now is getting again because all the italians came to italy finally <laughs> and like now it's gonna get way much better spain is suffering and the US, you, you see US, I've been thinking like people from New York and all that stuff, like, like like they're suffering from like cool stuff and people like professionals, they just want to be stars. Yeah. We don't, we never, we never hire star tenders. We hate that, we hate that. Or or mixologists. <laughs> we hate that terms. We, we hire humans. Yeah. I, uh, one of the things that I, that I do want to credit you with though, is, you know, you say, you, you say that you're grateful to be on the list, but you, you just want to focus on doing your thing and doing it better. But one of the things that I'm noticing is that you are taking the opportunity of having this greater exposure to take more of a leadership role, especially with things like the liquid show with the way that you're very intentionally developing your team to be leaders. And I, I think that, is really important because you know like you said three years ago you didn't even know there was a list and now three years later you're offering free educational educational seminars to you know to, to any bartenders who are able to attend so like to me that's big so i i think I, I do want to credit you with using the opportunity of the exposure to take a leadership role and um it, it seems like Mexico is going to continue to grow in terms of its prominence in the international drink space. So I, I figured I'd take this opportunity to, to ask you, what's next? I mean, clearly you have other projects uh, besides Hanky Panky. What are you excited about in the rest of 2022 and moving into 2023? Oof. Okay. So first, obviously, what we've been talking about to maintain Hanky on the same level and on the same like caring because for me it's very important like it's not getting to the list is maintaining you know like being a constant it's our year eight i want to be on the constant like that then my main focus now is brujas because it's like my my way of helping the females uh, female bartending around around the world and it's a beautiful project now has a spotlight finally on the list and it's very hard because because we we never invite men and it's not like a feminist thing because I wanted to showcase that women are capable of developing and creating like a bar scene 
and it's very hard. It has been very hard to to get the spotlight because they're only women, and it's it's funny to say that, but it's true. And now that like I'm very like focused on that, I also had like with Brujas, we created like a small kind of like like an education foundation to help women like with low resources. Like there's like a lot of women in the markets and stuff that have like daughters that they don't have opportunities. So we with a with our ONG, I'm developing like this like small cool school to to show them how to bartend and service and the stuff so they can work at Brujas. We already have one working at Brujas and he's killing it. So I'm f- more focused on that now because that's like a project that I want to showcase, not with a flag that we support women because I think it's about the, the, the talent and the brains of the of, of these like amazing ladies that it's going to showcase naturally, but being behind that project to support them and to grow. And new things coming, I like I'm... Like I'm like creating two new projects that will come. Liquid Show obviously is growing. We got like a beautiful article on Drinks International about Liquid Show that you can see also. So I think it's like beautiful coming things. And for me, I think personal is like to, I don't know, like work less and be more efficient, you know, like because I've been traveling a lot. Now I think the team should be able to travel alone, not with me. I don't want to... I don't want to be like the face. I want them to be the face of like, I think it has to be like hanky panky, the name it has. It, it, I don't want to be like Walter and hanky. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know if I'm explaining it right, but I would love to be like hanky panky is like this thing or brujas is the thing or no matter who travels is going to be the same experience, the same knowledge, the same seminar and that being more happy, enjoy more life. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, the internet gremlins decided to work their mischief, and Walter and I unfortunately lost our connection. But the good news for you is that it's super easy to make a reservation at Hanky Panky the next time you're traveling through Mexico City. You can head over to their website, hankypanky.mx, or message them on Instagram at hankypankydf to get your name on the list so that you can have your own speakeasy encounter that begins with a Mexican fonda and concludes with an exit through the beer fridge. I'm Modern Barkart CEO Eric Koslick. Thank you, as always, for joining me right here on the Modern Barkart Podcast. Cheers. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Barkhart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarkhart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here, and by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. 
Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners, and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember, folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. This episode was made possible with editing and sound design by Samantha Reed bar and hospitality insights courtesy of Walter Mayenberg of the acclaimed Mexico City bar Hanky Panky, narration from our international drinks correspondent Adam Bauer, and a little bit of interview magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production copyright 2022.